<laughs> Mr. Mueller, did President Trump commit a crime? That is correct. I read in your report that the Russians colluded with the Trump campaign in 2016 so he can win the election. He also obstructed justice after he became President of the United States by firing the FBI director. In your own words, Mr. Mueller, what crimes can we impeach the president and then throw him in jail after he gets out of office? Uh, I would have to refer you to the report on that. Mr. Mueller, isn't it true that Stormy Daniels, the president's stripper mistress, confirmed that she received $130,000 in hush money from Michael Cohen's, the president's former lawyer, who was convicted for lying on this matter, and that the president does in fact have small hands and a smaller... Uh, this is outside my purview. Mr. Mueller, can you read any part of your report for this committee? I'm happy to have you read it. Well, Mr. Mueller, not only will we read it, but we'll have an emancipation conversation about it. Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Emancipation Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Villafanye, a.k.a. Tony Smiles, for those who know. Welcome to the program, people. So the Mueller hearing happened this week. Wow, what a disaster. The Democrats did not have to do this. They did not have to do this. Robert Mueller, when he stepped down from being special counsel, he made it clear that he did not want to testify in front of Congress and that anything he had to say would have to be what he wrote in the Mueller report. Robert Mueller had no plans to expound on his report. With the Mueller report alone, Congress could have begun impeachment proceedings. They didn't need him to testify in front of two congressional subcommittees. He was a hostile witness, and as you heard in the opening skit of this program, he gave one-word answers or diverted back to the Mueller report. I mean, here's the gist of what Robert Mueller has to say all day during the hearings. Hear for yourself. Uh, I would have to refer you to the report on that. Uh, I refer you to the uh, report for that. I, I refer you to the uh, uh, the report. Uh, this is outside my purview. It's not within my purview. Yeah, if you could read that first sentence, would you be willing to do that? I'm happy to have you read it. <laughs> Seriously? This guy couldn't even read his own report. For crying out loud, it couldn't have been that hard for him to read his own report. Especially if you're accusing the President of the United States of committing a crime. And then 10 counts of obstruction of justice. And the reason I say the Democrats didn't have to do this is because impeachment proceedings will cover everything. Step by step by step. There are 10 steps to impeachment. They can't just accuse the president of committing a crime and start an impeachment vote overnight. They have to go through the process. They have to follow the Constitution. And it starts with Article 1. Section 2 and 3 of the Constitution. And you can easily find this information in the U.S. archives at www.archives.gov. 
under founding documents, U.S. Constitution. Step one would start out with the House Judiciary Committee starting an inquiry for impeachment. Step two, the full House votes to fund the investigation. Step three, the Judiciary Committee investigates and gathers all documents and evidence. Step four, the committee files a resolution of findings for impeachment. Step five, the full House votes on those findings or charges of impeachment. Step six, the matter goes to the Senate for trial. Step seven, the president is then charged and served with intent to impeach by the Senate. Step eight is actually having the trial in the Senate. Step nine, after the Senate has heard all arguments, they meet in closed session to deliberate like a jury. Step 10, the Senate votes on impeachment. If two thirds of the Senate votes to impeach, the president is out of office. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here is former Labor Secretary Professor Robert Reich. Now, here's how the impeachment process works. It all revolves around Article 1, Sections 2 and 3 of the Constitution and rules in the House and the Senate implementing those provisions. Step 1, it starts in the House Judiciary Committee when a majority of the members vote in favor of what's called an inquiry of impeachment resolution. Step 2, that resolution goes to the full House of Representatives where a majority has to vote in favor and then votes to authorize and fund a full investigation by the Judiciary Committee into whether sufficient grounds exist for impeachment. Step three, the House Judiciary Committee investigates. That investigation doesn't have to be from scratch. It can rely on data and conclusions of other investigations undertaken by, say, the FBI. Step four, a majority of the Judiciary Committee members decides there are sufficient grounds for impeachment, and the committee issues a resolution of impeachment, setting forth specific allegations of misconduct in one or more articles of impeachment. Step five, the full House then considers that resolution and votes in favor of it as a whole or on each article separately. The full House isn't bound by the committee's work. The House may vote to impeach even if the committee doesn't recommend impeachment. Step six, the matter then goes to the Senate for a trial. The House's resolution of impeachment becomes in effect the charges in this trial. Step seven, the Senate issues a summons to the president, who's now effectively the defendant, informing him of the charges and the date by which he has to answer them. If the president chooses not to answer or appear, it's as if he entered a not guilty plea. Step eight is the trial in the Senate. In that trial, those who are representing the House, that is the prosecution, and counsel for the president, both make opening arguments. They then introduce evidence and put on witnesses, as in any trial. Witnesses are subject to examination and cross-examination. The trial is presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who has the authority to rule on evidentiary questions or may put such questions to a vote in the Senate. The House managers and counsel for the president then make closing arguments. Step nine, the Senate meets in closed session to deliberate. Step 10, the Senate returns in open session to vote on whether to convict the president on the articles of impeachment. Conviction requires a two-thirds vote by the Senate. Conviction on one or more articles of impeachment results in removal from office. Such a conviction also disqualifies the now former president from holding any other public office, and it doesn't bar additional legal proceedings against that former president and punishment. So there you have it. So there, yes, you did not have to have a subcommittee hearing and have Robert Mueller come out and not even read his report. 
Once they started impeachment, the House would have control of investigating the whole problem if funded. So Nancy Pelosi coming out, who's the Speaker of the House of Representatives, comes out and states that she needs all the evidence and all the information before she can start impeachment proceedings. It's crap. After Robert Mueller's performance, the House of Representatives have to impeach. You cannot accuse a sitting president of committing a crime and not start an impeachment investigation. The time for debate is over at this point. Whether or not to start impeachment proceedings is not up for debate anymore. You have to impeach. Comedian Samantha B. for Full Frontal said it best when she said this. Here's the thing, America. You didn't need the testimony today. If you've been waiting for evidence that Donald Trump should be impeached, you already have it. It is called the Mueller Report. <laughs> Donald Trump pressured James Comey to drop an investigation into Michael Flynn's ties to Russia, then fired him after he refused. Trump pressured his cronies not to give information on him and ordered that Mueller himself be fired. It's hard to see how that's not obstruction. You have everything you need to decide the question, should Donald Trump be impeached? And the answer is yes, yes, he should. We don't need to force the world's grumpiest law daddy to read between the lines of his report when you could just read the lines. Now out of the 45 presidents we've had in history, only two presidents of the United States have been impeached by the House of Representatives. The Senate has yet to convict one. Andrew Johnson was the first president to be impeached. He was the 17th president of the United States in 1868. He became president because of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln in 1865. And the second president to be impeached by the House of Representatives was William Jefferson Clinton, our 42nd president in 1999. Both Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton got impeached for far less than what President Trump, the 45th president of the United States, is being accused of. To compare, Andrew Johnson was impeached for firing the Secretary of War, Edward Stanton, a Republican. Bill Clinton was impeached for lying under oath and hiding his extramarital affair with Monica Lewinsky, who was a White House intern. President Trump, on the other hand, is accused of firing the FBI director, obstructing justice by intimidating witnesses to a criminal investigation, and colluding with a foreign government to win an election. What collusion is being misused? It's more like conspiracy with a foreign government. And those actions in the United States of America is a crime. It could also be seen as treasonous actions against the United States, a threat to national security, and constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors by the President of the United States. All serious allegations that constitutes immediate due process. President Trump believes that he is above the law. He stated in January of 2016 while campaigning in Iowa that he can shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue in New York City and get away with it and he will not lose any supporters or any voters. 
They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Later in 2016, Donald Trump came out blatantly during a campaign stop and asked Russia, a foreign government, to find, aka hack into government computers in order to find Hillary's 30,000 deleted emails. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. In the Mueller report, volume one, page 89, it states the following. On May 6, 2016, 10 days after that meeting with Manafort, Papadopoulos suggested to a representative of a foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from the Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the anonymous release of information that would be damaging to Hillary Clinton. Manafort was Trump's campaign manager, subsequently convicted during the Mueller investigation. Papadopoulos was the foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign, also convicted during this investigation. So then after being informed from the Russian government that they were going to leak information on the Hillary Clinton campaign, President Trump in 2016 came out during campaign speeches and praised WikiLeaks, who were getting their information from the Russian government. Later, the founder of WikiLeaks was arrested in Great Britain. Then Trump denying that he'd know nothing about WikiLeaks after saying that he loved WikiLeaks. Here's a montage of President Trump praising WikiLeaks in 2016. The announcement of the arrest of WikiLeaks founder and Trump's denial of ever knowing anything about WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks is faster than WikiLeaks. I love WikiLeaks. 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 WikiLeaks, right? They want to distract us from WikiLeaks. And you know, as I was getting off the plane, they were just announcing new WikiLeaks. And I wanted to stay there, but I didn't want to keep you waiting. WikiLeaks has done a job on her, hasn't it? We've learned so much from WikiLeaks. These WikiLeaks, the WikiLeaks revelations. Oh, we love WikiLeaks. Boy, they are really WikiLeaks. Breaking news, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange arrested in London. After seven years of asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy, the Ecuadorian government released Assange to British authorities, and he could now face charges in the U.S. Mr. President, do you still love WikiLeaks? Uh, I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. Then after the Mueller report was released and 37 people and entities charged with crimes, 25 ongoing criminal cases referred for prosecution, seven convictions, including five top Trump campaign officials, and after President Trump being told that if he uses a foreign government to help him win a campaign is illegal, and also seen as treasonous, he had an interview with George Stephanopoulos of ABC News and stated he will do it again in 2019. Your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't, there's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, 
I think I'd want to hear it. You want that kind of interference in our elections? It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it. If that interview alone is probable cause for impeachment proceedings to begin. But there are other reasons why to start impeachment proceedings against this president. Here's Professor Robert Rice again. An impeachment inquiry in the House is unlikely to send Trump packing before Election Day 2020 because Senate Republicans won't convict him. And it's impossible to know whether an impeachment inquiry will hurt or help Trump's chances of being reelected. So does this mean impeachment should be off the table? No. There's a non-political question that Congress should consider. Whether enforcing the United States Constitution is important for its own sake, even if it goes nowhere, even if it's unpopular with many voters, even if it's politically risky. Every child in America is supposed to learn about the Constitution's basic principles of separation of powers and checks and balances. But these days, Every child and every adult in America is learning from Donald Trump that these principles are bunk. By doing whatever he could to stop the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election, including firing the head of the FBI, Trump told America it's okay for a president to obstruct justice. Goodbye law. By issuing a blanket refusal to respond to any congressional subpoena, Trump is saying Congress has no constitutional authority to oversee the executive branch. He's telling America that Congress is a subordinate branch of government rather than a co-equal branch. Forget separation of powers. By spending money on his wall that Congress explicitly refused to authorize, Trump is saying that Congress no longer has any constitutional authority over spending. Goodbye, checks and balances. By unilaterally shuttering the government in order to get his way, Trump is telling us he has the constitutional right not to execute the laws whenever it suits him. Farewell, Congress. By directing the Attorney General, the Justice Department, the FBI, and the Secretary of the Treasury to act in his own personal interest rather than in the interests of the American people, Trump is saying that presidents can run government for themselves. Adios, Constitution. By unilaterally threatening to cut off trade with the second largest economy in the world, Trump is telling us he has sole authority to endanger the entire American economy. And make no mistake, if he goes through with his threat, the U.S. economy will go into a tailspin. The core purpose of the Constitution is to prevent tyranny. That's why its framers distributed power between the president, Congress, and the judiciary. That's why each of the three branches was designed to limit the powers of the other two. In other words, the framers anticipated the possibility of a Donald Trump. Now, fortunately, they also put in a mechanism to enforce the Constitution against a president who tries to place himself above the law and to usurp the powers of the other branches of government. Article 1, Section 2 gives the House of Representatives the sole power of impeachment. Article 1, Section 3 gives the Senate the sole power to try all impeachments. Trump surely appears to be usurping the powers of the other branches. Under these circumstances, the Constitution mandates 
that the House undertake an impeachment inquiry and present evidence to the Senate. This may not be the political thing to do, but in order to safeguard our democracy, it is the right thing to do. Now here's the deal. Richard Nixon, our 37th president of the United States, was the first president in US history to resign from office. Now yes, he was on his way to being impeached, but he resigned before they could impeach him. The reason Richard Nixon resigned was because he ordered five men to break into the Watergate building, which was the Democratic headquarters in 1972. That was a re-election year for Richard Nixon. The purpose of breaking into the DNC headquarters was to find out information about the candidates running for office, mainly for president. It could be said that President Trump requesting that the Russians find Hillary Clinton's 30,000 deleted emails is very similar to Trump asking the Russians for assistance. However, the big difference there is that Richard Nixon used Americans to spy on Americans and Trump is asking a foreign government to spy on Americans. Both acts can be found as impeachable by the House of Representatives under the Constitution. Now, Richard Nixon knew that he did this and won re-election anyway. Trump may also win re-election. However, he's got this thing looming over his head. And in 2021, he could be impeached. Now, he could do like Richard Nixon, and as soon as the impeachment hearings or idea comes up, he can resign and have the vice president who will become president pardon him of all crimes like Richard Nixon had Gerald Ford, our 38th president, do after Richard Nixon resigned from office. That stated, Trump already came out and said that he would use foreign help to win the next election. The problem with that is, like Richard Nixon, he can win re-election, but he might not serve the next four years, like Richard Nixon. If he utilizes foreign help, especially Russian help, to win this next election, compounded with the Mueller report, history will be set to repeat itself. Although President Trump has gone into the media and said no obstruction, no collusion, and had his new hand-picked attorney general say that, Congress has the power to impeach. And in my humble opinion, they should impeach. You cannot accuse a sitting president of high crimes and misdemeanors and not move forward with impeachment proceedings. Trump has never released his tax return, so Congress does not know where Trump is getting his money from, what business he's doing with other countries and other governments. In finding out where his finances stand, it's possible we could find out his loyalties and why he acts the way he acts during certain interactions with Russia. We know that in 2013, he held the Miss Universe pageant in Russia. Although President Trump denied in 2016 that he hadn't done any business in Russia, it's found out through the Mueller report that he tried to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. In a very rare moment, Robert Mueller actually gave his opinion 
on Russian interference. During the House Intelligence Committee hearing, while Representative William Herr, Republican from Texas, questioned him about Russian interference in the 2016 election, Mueller stated, they are still doing it as we sit here. Um, one of the most striking things in, in your report is that the Internet Research Agency not only undertook a social media campaign in the U.S., but they were able to organize um, political rallies um, after the election. Um, our, our committee issued a, um, a, a report and, and insight on saying that Russian active measures um, are growing with frequency and intensity, and including their expanded use of groups such as uh, the IRA, and these groups pose a significant threat to the United States and our allies in upcoming elections. Would you agree with that? Yes. In fact, one of the uh, other areas that we have to look at are many more companies, or not companies, many more countries are developing capability to replicate what the Russians had done. You, you alluded to making sure the other, all the elements of the federal government should be working together. Do you have a suggestion on a strategy to do that to counter this disinformation? Not overarching. Is this, um, in your investigation, did you think that this was a single attempt by the Russians to get involved in our election, or did you find evidence to suggest they'll try to do this again? No, it wasn't a single attempt. Uh, they're doing it as we sit here, and they expect to do it uh, 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 during the, the next campaign. Now, it's important to note that Russian interference in U.S. elections is going on to this day, not just 2016. The Mueller report states it. The intelligence community states it. Even Trump supporters like Fox News are starting to state the fact that Russians are interfering in our elections and hacking into government systems and computer network. Now, Shep Smith, anchor of Fox News, express his disdain for the president doubting Russian election interference on August 1st, 2019 in front of the White House. A reporter justifiably asked the president, and I quote, Mr. President, Mr. President, Robert Mueller said last week that Russia is interfering in U.S. elections right now. Did you raise that with Vladimir Putin? And the president replied, and I quote, you don't really believe this. Do you believe this? To which the reporter replies, he said it last week. Did you raise that with President Putin yesterday? To which the president replied, we didn't talk about that. Then changes the topic to Russian forest fires. Now, Chris Wallace is there with Shemp, and he tries to justify the president's response to the question, which we know for a fact Based on the interview he had with George Stephanopoulos from ABC News, that Trump doesn't mind interference from any foreign country, especially Russia, who helped him win the election to the Russians' benefit. Sheb Smith was so befuddled with the president's response, he replied to Wallace, the president should unite the country and let everybody know that we're under attack. Then he went on to discredit the president by saying he doesn't want to help California with their forest fires, and now he's helping the Russians with their forest fires? But you don't have to take my word for it. Check this out. Then there's Russian interference. I mean, they're trying to divide us against ourselves. They're interfering in our election. They're trying to tip the balance. They, they've tried to, you know, help the president get elected. And did you hear the president on the lawn today? Listen to this. 
Oh, you don't really believe this. Do you believe this? He said it last okay. week. Did you okay. raise that with President Bye. Putin yesterday? We didn't talk about that. I spoke with President Putin of Russia yesterday. They're having massive uh, fires in the in their forests. They have tremendous... I've never seen anything like it. It's very big. I just offered our assistance because we're very good at putting out forest fires, frankly. And if they should need it, I offered our assistance. We had a good talk, a short talk, but a good talk. And I think he appreciated it. So we would be able to help them. It's uh, These are massive fires like I haven't seen. That was the primary uh, importance of the conversation. And I think they I think they very much appreciate it. It's, it's, it's one of the more baffling things of a baffling presidency. I mean, there is no doubt that they're interfering, and yet he, won't even, he goes, do you believe that? Yeah, I believe it. I believe everyone in your government. I believe everyone in the intelligence apparatus. Of course I believe it. Is he the only one who doesn't believe it, or is he making it up? Now, I think that the president, uh, to the degree that I'm going to put myself and try to interpret what's going on here, I think he views any statement like that as, a, in effect, a statement, you didn't get legitimately elected, and that somehow it discredits his victory in 2016. So I think his kind of initial reflex reaction is to push back on that. Now, I, in fact, the government has done some things to try to secure uh, our 2020 election from Russian interference and uh, cyber uh, threats from anybody. But I, I think when Donald Trump is presented with that, he, his in initial instinct is not that you're saying Russia interfered, you're saying I, he didn't win the election fair and square. Uh, or were able to change the vote counts in the 2016 election. Yeah, of course nobody said that, but you know, to deny that there's interference is just, it seems like you know, if you're president you want to unite the country around the idea that we're under attack. I mean, that's what his intelligence agencies tell us. That we're under attack. We were under attack then, we're under attack now. We need to all come together and get used to the idea that we gotta prepare for this and spend money for this and, and, and realize the Russians aren't our friends. You know, he, he doesn't wanna put out the fires in California anymore, but we're gonna help the Russians put out their fires. It's just, just a big old boatload of weird to me. <laughs> a boatload of weird. Meanwhile, over on ABC, Jimmy Kimmel chimed in on these Russian fires. He also took exception to Trump yelling at California for not raking their leaves before the fires broke out and how he's helping the Russians with their forest fire. We need a new planet because this one is almost spent. Have you heard what's happening in Russia right now? I don't know if you've seen this on the news, but there are wildfires in Siberia, out of control wildfires. And if you, I mean, look at this, it's, it's huge plumes of smoke and you can see they're hard at work with a super soaker putting it out. <laughs> but if, if you need any more evidence that global warming is here, Siberia, the place that used to be a reference for the coldest, darkest, snowiest place on earth is on fire. That's a big deal. Smoke coming from Russia usually means they just elected a new American president. That's how they signal break. <laughs> Investigators believe the fire started when Vladimir Putin fell asleep after burning a pile of Trump's love letters and they and the concern is that the fires could reach some of Russia's remote nuclear plants which could lead to up to a dozen more HBO miniseries so <laughs> President Trump by the way offered to help with the fires he called his KGBFF Vladimir yesterday to say 
hey, if you need any help, we're willing to pitch in. But Putin said, no thanks. I'm Putin out these fires myself. And, and, but, thank you. Thanks, everybody. There's a very corny writer named Josh who's very happy right now. Here, Mo, go get Josh, will you? Yeah, okay, yeah, right, I can right. bring that. How exactly would Trump help with the fires anyway in Russia? Would maybe with great suggestions like the one he gave Paris, where he wrote, "So horrible to watch the massive fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Perhaps flying water tankers could be used to put it out." <laughs> Must act quickly. <laughs> Thanks, Notre dumbass. It is. It is interesting. Though. It's interesting that. When Russia catches fire, Trump's right on the phone offering to help. But when we were burning here in California, he stomped around the forest to show off his, his new hat and then yelled at us for not raking the leaves more. By the way, Siberian wildfire sounds like a very tough WNBA team, doesn't it? The president was burning it up tonight. He took his reality show on the road for a pep rally in Cincinnati. But first, he stopped for a little yell session on the White House lawn, where he was asked what would happen if the crowd at his rally tonight broke into another chant of send her back. You prepared to tell your supporters to stop if they begin chanting something problematic? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you this. I'm going to Cincinnati. I can't tell you whether or not they're going to do that chant. Uh, if they do the chant, we'll have to see what happens. Will you stop them, sir? You think you will? I don't know that you can stop people. <laughs> well, maybe you build a wall around Cincinnati. That might stop them. Is that... Oh, there's Josh, everybody. There's... <laughs> Now, forest fires and chants aside, it's important to note that the House of Representatives have passed several resolutions to protect U.S. elections. But as Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, is blocking calls for impeachment, the leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, has blocked at least three resolutions to protect the U.S. from Russian interference or any other country for that matter. These resolutions provide additional funds for new machines in different states, paper ballots as backups, and election enforcement. So Joe Scarborough, former Florida Republican congressman, now MSNBC host, has been publicly shaming Mitch McConnell and calling him Moscow Mitch. Now many folks have been calling him this in back doors and in chat rooms and in social media, but Joe Scarborough has made it mainstream. I want to hear about Moscow Mitch. <laughs> Moscow Mitch, that being Mitch McConnell of Moscow, Kentucky. Moscow Mitch blocks two bills. Moscow Mitch, Moscow Mitch keeps killing any bill that would protect American democracy. But I want to talk about Moscow Mitch. Moscow Mitch, he is aiding and abetting yeah. Vladimir Putin's ongoing attempts to subvert American democracy. Moscow Mitch won't even let the Senate take a vote on it. Sure. That is un-American. Now, if that's true, which it appears to be, America has a big problem because you have the president helping the Russians to help him get reelected. You got the leader of the Senate who, if President Trump is impeached, is in charge of the trial in the Senate. 
he clearly sees that the president has done nothing wrong, even though the evidence proves otherwise. Mitch McConnell blocking these bills from even getting a vote on the floor is problematic because of the timing of the 2020 election. In order to get everything set up for the election in 2020, the money has to be distributed, all the uh, contracts have to be put out, and all the ballots need to be printed out. In 50 states, Congress has no time to delay. They just took a six-week vacation until September. That gives a little less than a year in order to prep for the election in 2020. Mitch McConnell himself has a re-election campaign. Now, being the incumbent, I know he wants business as usual, but the rest of the country is in jeopardy. And that's what all the fuss is about. Everybody knows the map is not adding up. Then Mitch McConnell gets offended by the Moscow Mitch name, and he goes on the Senate floor to whine about the press and how his record proves that he's not a Russian sympathizer. That is not the problem, Mitch McConnell. The problem is the Russians are interfering in our elections, and there are bills on your desk that require Senate votes. If you don't like it, rewrite it. You're the leader of the Senate and put something together so so by November 2020, folks are not questioning the vote for President of the United States. And the worst part is Nancy Pelosi is also doing the wrong thing. It looks like she's not trying to have impeachment proceedings because when Congress comes back, there's going to be about a year left in order to have all the hearings and impeach the president. That, they, that can't happen in that amount of time when most senators and congressmen are right now, a lot of them are trying to get reelected in 2020. They, so they got campaigns to run and they're not going to be on the Senate floor or on the House of Representatives voting. These actions made by the Senate leader and the House leader are a detriment to the democracy of our country. Impeach now and let the process take its course. Because if it was anybody else, any other citizen of the United States, if they're accused by the Justice Department and a grand jury decides they could convict, that person is going to be investigated and charged with a crime. And the due process of law can begin, as written in the Constitution. And the worst part about all this, this is a distraction. Folks in the United States have been poisoned for far too long. Whether it's Roundup, pesticides, lead poisoning, foul water, terrible air, chemically engineered foods that are causing cancer, diabetes and heart disease. Congress, the Senate, and the executive branch are not doing the job that the people send them to Washington to do. Folks are crying over health care because they're sick and crying over drug prices because they're too high. The fact is people are sick because of the pollution, the excessive poisoning of the water, air, and food that U.S. citizens consume. These are basic human needs. And the federal government and local governments are not doing their job. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, taking care of the people. The politicians are taking care of themselves. The president lives in D.C. and the water that he gets through the tap is the most filtered water in America. The air that he breathes in the White House is also filtered. We don't want no chemical attacks hitting the president. The food that he eats is the highest quality. No high fructose corn syrup for him. No GMOs, no gluten. But the residents of D.C., they got to have gluten in their food. They have to have pesticides. They have to have antibiotics. They have to have lead in their water. 
have to have carbon emissions in their air going into their lungs causing cancer and the problem is after years of exposure to poisoning doctors can't do anything about stopping any of the, those things from happening they can't reverse those effects so it doesn't matter how high or how low the drug prices are you're gonna die and i dare you ask any doctor what can i do they are going to refer you to more chemical poisoning or subject you to radiation treatment because one poison needs to kill the other poison or unnatural chemical treatment here's some medicine this will help more poisoning but let's get rid of some of these distractions because we got bigger problems on our hands democrats are alluding to it during their debates calling it a sick care problem not a health care problem and to be honest i blame the american people for deciding that they need to keep continually recycling these same people that have been causing this problem for 40 plus years a lot of these senators and congressmen have been in office for 40 plus years in power how is that possible how is joe biden who's been in government for at least 50 years leading in the polls in 2019 to challenge for the president of the united states he was the vice president for crying out loud he was a senator and he is literally the cause of the problem, not the solution. From criminal justice to the poisonous drinking water in America. It was the laws and policies that he created or failed to create. Retirement is not even in the picture for Generation X and Millennials. Social Security, what is that? Baby boomers will leave this world worse off than they received it. But I digress. That topic is for another podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Emancipation Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Jay aka Tony Smiles, for those who know. You can follow me on social media at the number 4 Tony Smiles on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be safe, feel love, share smiles. I'm out. This has been a Jab Entertainment production.